Retailer podcast where we talk retail, business, and all things related to the hot tip industry. I'm your host, Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. This episode of the Spa Retailer podcast is brought to you by Marquee. On the podcast today, we have the PHTA president and CEO, Sabina Hickman. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Whenever I read a press release from the PHTA, there's always a C-A-E after your name. And I have to admit, I think I've looked it up once, but I don't know what that means. What does C-A-E stand for? So C-A-E is a certified association executive. There we Um, go. So it's equivalent to what we have with CBP or CST. Sure. And that was something I got back in 2005. And it was awesome because you learn so much about the association business as a whole. It is a very big commitment, just like our members do with certification. But it forces you to take courses to get recertified because once you earn Mm -hmm. that designation, you don't want to let it go. So interesting. I imagine that, so the kind of things that you're studying as opposed to, you know, uh, building codes and like concrete strengths <laughs> um, in the pool industry, are you, are you looking at laws and changes in how associations are supposed to be managed? What are, the, what are the kind of things that you have to get recertified on? Sure. Obviously, finance is a, a huge part oh, of sure. it, like Sarbanes-Oxley, conflict of interest, like with mm-hmm. governance, antitrust, you don't ever want right. to be in a meeting where you're engaging in price fixing, marketing plans, Mm -hmm. education events. So a lot of things, human resources, conflict resolution. So it's very (laughs) extensive. Yeah, sure. That that makes sense. I feel like unless you get into some of the nitty gritty of it and are a volunteer and working closely with an association, I don't think people really understand all of those things that go into running one and all of the things you have to be careful of, like you said, like price fixing and those kinds of things where, you know, you want to bring the industry together, but there are some things that if you did that could get everybody in trouble. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. right. And consensus building is a big part of um, working and, and running a trade association because you've got to, you know, build consensus amongst stakeholders. Um, and I've spent a lot of time doing that with mm-hmm. harmonizing some of our programs through the unification this past year. Yeah, you've had a lot of that on your plate. But before we get into your first year, because I'm, I haven't talked to you, I think, in about a year. So I'm curious how this has all gone for you. But can you just tell us a little bit about your, your personal background and how you got to the PHTA? Because you've worked in associations for, for quite a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I've worked for associations ever since I graduated. And um, I didn't even know what an association was when I graduated. I got a business degree from um, Virginia Tech, which I'm a, I'm a native Virginian. So I went okay. to Virginia Tech and got business degree and you come out of school and you're just looking for jobs. And um, I got hired for a defense association as a as a meeting planner. And I got to travel all around the world, you know, the country. Yeah. Um, And it was super fun. And I did registration and logistics and what have you. And from there, I just kind of got a little bit more curious and started working for other associations. So I spent 12 years with 
the composites manufacturers group, which is kind of like okay. fiberglass. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I went and spent 12 years running a national association for lawn and landscape professionals. And in both of those roles, we went through mergers and unifications as well. And then I decided I did not want to renew my contract. I had a son that was heading off to college and my former organization was going in a different direction. And I said, oh, I'll take, you know, a year off and play in the best graduation party that I could ever imagine. And after, right. a, couple of after a couple of months, like I was, I, I was getting a little bit bored. And then this opportunity, they posted it, I want to say like in May and I applied for the job and it was really interesting. They did a phenomenal job. It was very extensive in terms of the interview process. All 10 board members were engaged. It mm -hmm. really told me that they were really serious about, you know, they weren't, this wasn't a light decision for them. Right. And then um, I started in September and hit the ground running. I traveled a ton and was trying to figure out if there's, I've never been in an association where there's so many acronyms. It took me a month to master ISPSC and, and all of that good stuff. I still probably don't have them all down. I, I think I look them up anytime I get press releases or things coming across my desk. I feel like I look those up often because it's, it's a lot. Well, I am going to give you a gift. Um, my colleague, Susan Halaski, who, who runs our standards came up, I think it's 12 pages of acronyms. What? And it, it is like a gift. She gave it to me like on day four and I was like, oh my goodness. I love you. And it's part of our onboarding. Whenever somebody new comes on, we're like, this is your roadmap to the industry. I feel like, I feel like that needs to be handed out to everybody in the industry. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's awesome. So, um, and then COVID hit and, and we had to really pivot and figure out how to deliver CPO online. And, you know, when it first hit, we thought the industry was going to take a, a hit. And I had worked with some amazing people, um, Jennifer Hatfield, who's mm -hmm. been involved. We worked day in and day out looking at state orders and having her background as an attorney and Janae's background as marketing professional. And then I was thinking about strategy. It was intense. And then things started to open up and now my phone's ringing off the hook. People want to talk about, you know, the increase in demand and consumers yeah. want to know, how do I get a hot tub or how do I get a pool? So it's, and we never would have imagined that it, the industry would have fared this well. Yeah. It's been, it's been really interesting. I, everybody I talk to, there is this still this kind of shock that this is where we're at because in those first few weeks of, of shutdown time, everybody was in panic mode and, it was all about how do we stay afloat? And next thing you know, it's how do we get stuff out fast enough with all these new restrictions? But I have to say, I was so impressed with how the PHTA handled all of it. Um, I thought you guys, you guys were really fast. You had great information. You had it up right away. I, I was really impressed. It just seemed like you were, you were on top of it. And knowing how hard it was for us to try to get content out during that time. I was like, these guys are spending a lot of hours <laughs> working on this because it was, it was really challenging. I mean, I imagine you guys, were you even allowed to be in the office? I mean, I know a lot of people kind of worked remotely already, but that had to have been especially challenging. Yeah. And, and we were, I mean, the first part we were, we were at home because we had to follow mm -hmm. the state orders. We've got 
some folks in Virginia, and that was a little bit more lenient than Maryland where you were getting tickets. So, but you know, what I really learned through that experience is the partnerships are so strong. Adam with National Drowning Prevention, our friends at CDC, NEHA, we all kind of banded together and shared information. And, and as members were calling us saying, you know, we have to maintain pools. We understand if you can't be it and what the risks were. I felt like it was really great to see everybody come together and yeah. enable PHCA to find solutions and create some tools that our members could use. Yeah, that's another thing that I've been hearing as I talk to people across the industry is just um, is how much people came together and were not only working on solutions, but just checking in with each other saying, hey, how are, how are you doing? Are you figuring this out? Are you getting any sleep? Um, it was It's really interesting talking to people across the industry how that time was for them because even though it was it was scary and challenging all of those things there also was this coming together that I'm not sure I've ever seen our industry do before and I and I certainly think that PHTA was part of why that happened I think the last time that we talked you were going into sort of the heavy planning for the strategic action plan that the PHTA board was working on how was that process impacted by coronavirus and the shutdowns it seems like you guys are really were you in the middle of it? Or are you getting towards the end of it? What, where did that hit? Because I feel like for a lot of people, you get to this, the coronavirus part and the shutdown, everything just kind of stopped. And we all had to focus on, on that and all the other plans, you know, you didn't stop them, but they kind of had to be put on the back burner. Is that what happened with the action plan as well? Yeah, that is a great question because we learn as an organization, we learned through, so much through COVID. We realized how much we need to strengthen our relationships and the communication with the chapters. And each chapter needed something a little bit different. Our friends in Michigan, um, you know, they needed probably something different than our folks in NESPA. So um, strengthening the chapters, we've talked about a government relations committee and we're, we're going to stand that up. Jen Hatfield's working on populating that because we needed a sounding board. We needed a committee to help us talk about strategy and make sure we've, we had stakeholders that represent different segments of the industry in different geographic regions. But we were about to approve the strategic plan. We had a board meeting that was at the end of March that we ended up canceling. And I said, whoa, 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 time out. I, I don't, I said, and we wanted three words, like our strategic plan is educate, advocate, and elevate, because we want whether you're a leader or a staff member or a CPO instructor, if somebody says, what is it PHTA does, we want them to be able to readily go to those three words. Advocate wasn't front and center then. And we learned through COVID how important advocacy is for the Alliance. So we definitely went back to the drawing board and said, let's refine this a little bit so that advocate is, is one of our three pillars. So. Um, then we approved it in, in August. In August, we had a hybrid meeting. Some folks traveled, some did it virtually. And, and at that point, we, we weren't ready to go out. The, the industry was so busy um, yes. keeping up with demand. So we had said, look, we're going to launch this in September. We definitely did have to pivot and, and go back to the drawing board. With us talking to our partners and customers, it was the, it was the same thing in the summer. Everybody was so busy and so under it that 
you kind of just had to, it was, it was just kind of hands off. And, you know, you realize that it would take someone who normally would get back to you within a day. It might take them three weeks to respond to you. And that was just the way it was going to be. Yeah, it, it definitely was. One thing we also talked about is we heard from some of um, legacy members saying, ah, another strategic plan. We made a commitment to the board that we're going to have the strategic plan. And then we're also going to have what we call like a dashboard, the annual plan that talks about how we're going to deliver on all of our strategies. And I will report out to the board and the, you know, at every board meeting, tracking our progress because folks have said sometimes, you know, we, maybe a legacy group has done a strategic plan. It just sat on the, on the shelf. So we're Mm -hmm. really going to bring this to life. We've got really strong plans. We're going to get our committees and councils engaged and behind it and, and help execute. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, I am too. And that's, that's great to hear because I do feel like, you know, people come up with, you know, action plans or, well, you know, uh, just a big, like an overarching strategic plan. Yeah. You don't don't really do anything. Exactly. It's sort of like, it's, it's nice words that you've put together that you feel really good about, but then when it comes down to it, to the nitty gritty and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't mean a whole lot. And so it sounds like you guys have really taken some steps to turn this into an actual action. <laughs> yeah, and, and everyone's accountable. Whether you're in membership or you're in client service, or we want um, all of our team members and our volunteer leaders to play a role in this. This is for the spa retailer podcast. And so obviously it's more focused on the hot tub side than the pool side. And within the PHTA, you have the IHTA that works on behalf of the hot tub industry. How do you, I don't know how it was in the other industries that you've worked in, but you kind of have these two different and two separate segments of the industry that have different needs and have different wants and really operate their businesses in different ways. How do you bring them together under one organization and make sure that everyone is, everyone is included and everyone gets kind of their, their seat at the table and everyone's needs are met. I I think that would be, I mean, we do two separate magazines, Pool Pro and Spa Retailer, because for us trying to do it together got to be too complicated. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it makes great sense. So we treat IHTA as if it's its own separate board. Um, They've got the senior leadership team. They meet every week. Um, Our senior director of membership, Seth Ewing, who has extensive um, association experience, he leads that with the volunteer leaders. And this year, we've really um, empowered them to kind of run their run their group as if, I mean, it is a dumb entity. We've talked about, we're going to talk about potentially partnering with them on a membership drive to get Mm. some more hot tub dealers um, into the fold. They want to do their own marketing. We want to create a funding mechanism where all of their activities are supported through the dues. We've got their issues that we're working on from Mm -hmm. a government relations standpoint. We recognize that they have different needs than our builders or our service folks. Um, and so we, we, we treat them differently because their needs are different. They're amazing to work with. So many engaged, creative folks who, who really want to do what's best for hot tubs. So we're lucky yeah. to have them. And the amount of dedication and commitment that those leaders put into it is, I mean, it's really helped us. So I think yeah. there's going to be some, some exciting things coming coming out in 2021 for hot tubs. Yeah, we've been trying to get Cindy to come on the podcast as well. Um, she's the leading the IHTA uh, leadership committee right now. And 
she's a busy lady. It's pretty hard to nail her down, but it's great to talk to her because she is really in the thick of it. And yeah, she and the other people on that, on that team, they do put in a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of hours. And anytime I talk to them, I'm always amazed that this is the, how much they have going on. It's, yeah. it's pretty insane. They really do. And now more so than ever, you know, yeah. with the demand and, um, and there's plenty of times where we talk to Cindy and she's like, I'll look at that on Sunday. That's my quiet time to look through things. So yeah, um, I get a lot of weekend, weekend communications from Cindy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Now, they're an important part of, of who we are. We've got hot tub versus spa in our name because we recognize that they need that identity as well. I feel like as the merger happened that everybody at the PhD was really thoughtful about how they included hot tubs in the name and then also just in the ongoing strategy. It seemed like it definitely wasn't an afterthought. It was something that you guys put a lot of time and effort into making sure that they had an equal voice. I felt like that was evident from when Larry was there through when you came on working through this process. Yeah. As you guys worked on this, on this plan and on this vision for the PHTA going forward, you said advocacy wasn't originally one of kind of the three pillars. How did that, obviously the coronavirus had a big impact on how that strategy evolved, but how was that process and how do you narrow down to what you really want to be focused on when I know from being in the industry that a lot of people have a lot of ideas about what you guys should be doing. (laughs) Yeah. One thing that we did is we didn't want the strategic plan only to be a plan just for our 10 board members and our six senior Mm -hmm. staff per se. So we did a survey out to members at large to, to ask them what they needed and, and those were the, the, mm-hmm. the themes were education, advocacy, professionalism was, was the big thing with, yeah. with certification. So those were kind of the themes. And then obviously it's that whole spiritual mission with giving back, the step in the swim um, and the fellowships and grants. So those were the four, four themes. And when you get folks together with strategic plan and it's wordsmithing and what have you. So it was a working meeting. And then we said, let us bring it back and, and kind of refine it. Um, now, advocacy was a huge part of it, but we right. didn't have it as kind of one of those. And those right. three words came about during all of COVID in terms of I can't even tell you what the, what the three were when we originally did it. And I'm going to go back and look because now you've got me curious. But <laughs> we had said we really, instead of using big, long narratives, let's just have those three bold words. And, and then we went back to the survey to just kind of fact check. And we're like, look, these are the three themes that we're hearing that have come through on the survey. So. So, I, I mean, and obviously these are big overreaching goals, but you talked about having a specifically specific yearly plans and goals. I think the first step is going to be, um, unfortunately, we're not going to be in Las Vegas with the right. industry for PSP. So the week after PSP Expo, we're going to do a virtual leadership week and all of our committees and councils are going to plan for the upcoming year in terms of what mm-hmm. they want to focus on to support the strategic plan. We've already had conversations with them. For instance, under education, we want to create pathways. So if if you're a a builder, we want to build curriculum and certifications where you can grow your professionalism Mm -hmm. because that's that's a big part of what 
members want the association to do. We want to provide different platforms, whether it's podcasts like this or webinars or going on our LMS or peer-to-peer training. We want to uh, develop different platforms where you can learn in different ways because everyone's learning style is a bit different. We also want to increase the number of skilled professionals, whether it's through more training or apprenticeship programs. And then in terms of advocacy, that's about advocating is the partnerships that that we form with other organizations, whether we're talking about pump motors or or energy or water, decarb, that government relations, that agenda is pretty robust. There's there's a lot... um, there's a lot that we're focused on. J-1s is a, is, a, is a big issue that we work on, trying to get the J-1s in over the summer to, right. yeah. to work at the, at the polls. And then obviously with Elevate, that's where the certification comes into place. Standards, code adoption. We, I think we have six or seven standards that are, were, that are up for revision in, mm-hmm. in 2021. So, and that all ties into kind of protecting and educating the industry too. One thing we did new this year, Megan, is the ISPSC, we're starting to train, um, go out and do uh, virtual conferences. And and some of them are to health inspectors or folks in the permit office who need to understand the ISPSC when they go in and evaluate the pools after they've been built. So there's a lot. But you know what? I have a great team of people who just really want to keep delivering value to, to the membership in the industry as a whole, because obviously non-members can partake as well in our, in our education and programs. It's been interesting watching this process and how, I mean, there's a lot of question marks about how you guys are going to come together and, and merge these two organizations and with some of the overlapping education programs and, and things like that. Um, it's kind of exciting to see what's coming out of that now, because I, I like the idea of having these educational pathways where you can have a clear idea of what to do to kind of go from step one to step two to step three. I think that's something that's frustrating for new people coming into the industry is that there isn't a clear path. And so it feels a little bit like the the wild, wild west. And it's kind of like, choose your own adventure. Which way do I want to go? And how am I, how am I going to do this? And, you know, we got some smart people in this industry, they figure it out. But it's nice to have, you know, some unifying things and, and make it a little bit more professional for someone who's coming in and saying, okay, this is what you got to do to learn about water. And then this is your next step. And, you know, and just going through that entire, yeah. that entire yeah. process. It's got to be more intuitive and, and mm-hmm. we need to like lay it out. And we're, and we're still like looking at where programs overlap. I mean, our overarching goal is to provide the, the best education there is out right. there. We might take a piece of this program and a piece of that and, and harmonize it. I love the word harmonize, but um, there's, there's still a lot to do. And, and we're tackling the builders first because we've sure. got the CBP and then the Genesis course. And so that's going to be our first step. We, we mm-hmm. decided we're going to take the, the hardest one first, but we're yeah. making great headway with that. And it's going to be a great model for, for all the, the other ones, whether it's service or retail or hot tub. And speaking of hot tub, I think it's CHTT. Is that the, is that, am I getting into the right acronym? That wow, for, <laughs> for the certified hot tub technician program. That's something that I feel like a lot of the, the hot tub retailers that I've talked to don't realize that it's available to them and don't realize that it is focused on portable hot tubs. I feel like in the last couple of years, I've talked to some retailers who've put together their own programs or are kind of just bound by what their, their individual manufacturers will provide them as far as training and technical training 
training. And I'm like, you know, that the, the PhD has a, has a program that you can send your people to that is general about hot tubs. And, and I don't, I don't think very many people knew about that. And so it's kind of one of those things too, where it's like, it's, you guys are not a pool organization. You have hot tub, portable hot tub specific programs and information, whether it's, you know, retail or the technical training, like it's there. They just have to know where it is and go find it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that is great feedback because we don't have um, the numbers that we may have in some of the other ones. So we might need to do a better job promoting that and kind of laying out what the value proposition is. Cause I'm sure any company would, instead of creating their own program would want to look to the National Association and especially if it's online. There are some companies who go on to our online training portal mm-hmm. and they say, when I hire a new employee, I have them register for this, this, and this course because it yeah. gives them a good overview of the industry. So that might be an opportunity for us with CHTT. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it's it's not like you guys haven't had um, a few other things to work on this year as far as getting things uh, running and, and put together. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Marquee. Aquatic training vessels are much more than a traditional swim spa. Hydrodynamic flow design and control, plus a unique range of pumps and jet arrays deliver water flow users can customize for their aquatic workout. The Kona's exclusive system design uses six whitewater floor jets to deliver water flow beyond the volumes created by the pumps, delivering up to 39% more flow than comparably sized competitive jets. Plus, two mid-vessel buoyancy jets provide mid to lower torso lift during swimming. The V150 Party Swim Tub utilizes whitewater four jets, three swim jets, and two footwell jets, plus directional, conal, and orbital jet pods and eight therapy seats. To learn more, visit atvswimspas.com. And what are you, are you guys all working from home? Yes. Well, so we've been a remote office for years. So for us, that wasn't a huge, that wasn't a huge switch. You know, it was with childcare and those kinds of things, but otherwise it wasn't, it wasn't a a big change for us as far as, as far as that goes. So that was, that was good for us. Um, Our day to day didn't look a whole lot different. We also did our office in Alexandria. um, We, we did an an office renovation. Um, Oh, you did? That started in March, and because construction was deemed essential, they were able to work. So what we thought was going to take 12 weeks and people in and out of the office Mm -hmm. took about nine weeks because the office was empty. So I came in because my father- There's no one there. Yeah, my father was an engineer, and he was always said, finding the right contractor is one thing, but you have to manage the project. So, Mm -hmm. and I had- my husband, my two dogs, my two boys at home. So it was a lot more productive, even with hammers and, you know, power equipment than it was at home. So, um, so when we did open up, folks came back to like a, wow. Yeah. A a whole fresh start. We've got the PHTA colors and we got rid of the 1970s maroon carpet. And uh, I saw that carpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna have to come visit. It looks we had the board come in August, uh, and, and they're very proud. We wanted the office to reflect the brand, and um, so um, so I feel like I've been coming to the office on a fairly regular basis. Um, yeah. And now when the office is full, I'm like, wait a minute, there's not supposed to be no. It's, it's, it's no, it, it, no, but it, it is weird when you finally do get out and you're around people. There is this kind of like, oh, 
you know, is this, is this okay? Are we supposed to be together? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. We did this um, and I, and I stole it probably from Pinterest or LinkedIn, but we have bands. So if you have a red band, it's, it's red, yellow, and green, and yellow is wave and no hugs. It kind of tells you kind of how you feel oh, about yeah. COVID. That's really smart. Yeah, and so we put all the protocols in, and if folks aren't comfortable coming in, they can work from home. So yeah. at any given time, we can have half the office in here, but I think folks like to come in because it feels normal. Yeah. We've got hybrid schedules going on. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, I know before COVID, a big thing that we were all talking about was hiring and finding workers and all of that. Have you seen a switch in the industry now that, I mean, there's a huge portion of the workforce that was laid off. Are there more workers readily available? Have we kind of been able to capture some of those qualified people whose industries have been harder than ours? Or is it... Is it still been really challenging for people to find to find employees? I think I think with the the PPP program, I, mm -hmm. I think a lot of folks lost employees, and and in some cases they were making more money at home right. um, with the incentives that they were getting from the government than they were working. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that was a concern and an issue. You know, at first people were maybe trimming down, thinking that they weren't going to be, um, demand yes. was going to be, and then it definitely ramped up and picked up. I, I just think, I think hiring and labor and workforce is always going to be a challenge. It was a challenge in my former association. You know, that's something we really want to focus on, promoting yeah. careers and the pool and hot tub. Our incoming chair, Francine Gonzalez, she takes office here next week. Um, she's a Stanford graduate. And grew up as a lifeguard and just loves aquatics and water is fun. And there's some super brilliant, talented people, whether you went to Stanford or, or you didn't. Right. Yeah. And they're passionate about what they do. And, mm -hmm. and they say, and then sometimes it's not even work. You're just following your passion. So I think we have a lot of great stories to tell about this industry. We're in the board, when the board met, we were talking about PHTA, who we are and how, and they were like, we're fun. Like aquatics is fun. We yeah. need to promote that in everything that we do. I think we have an opportunity to really showcase our industry and hopefully start driving folks to consider a career in, in pool and hot tubs. Right. You know, when you talked about getting out of college and you didn't even know what an association was, I feel like it's the same thing for our industry. There's so many facets to it that it seems like no matter what your interests are, you can find a place in the, in the pool and spa industry. If you're interested in business or manufacturing or technology, like all, and, or chemistry or science, like all of these things are a huge part of our industry and, and what we do. And so, and I don't think that people realize that that is available. I mean, I don't think that you think, oh, I like, I'm in, into design or in, even interior design. It's, well, you, you can design some pretty great backyards and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a course, um, a Genesis course this past week, Elements of De Design. And um, we have a new director of marketing who just joined us and she does photography. She's like, I felt like I was in a photography course. Like who knew? Like right. the, and she's like, it was amazing. But yeah. the um, people I think take for granted the design aspect of it. And, and there's a, we have an instructor for us who does color theory. Like 
the yes. colors. Like, I've talked to him before. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You know, um, people may take that for granted, but there's so much that goes into what we do as an industry. Coming out of the of the of the pandemic, I mean, I say coming out whenever that actually happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, as our industry moves forward with both the new plan and then also this increased crazy demand that we're seeing, what excites you about, about moving forward? What are some of the things that you see on the horizon now that maybe a year ago you wouldn't have even thought were something that we would be looking at? We launched a mini consumer campaign during COVID because it was uh, more about safety with swimming. More people were getting out in their backyard pools earlier or thinking about building a pool. And we really wanted to promote the safety aspects of that. And then as our calls started coming in, as we started getting calls from consumers, like, what do I need to consider when I build a pool? Like, how do I find a, a professional? We are building a microsite that will launch at the end of the year. And it's just going to be a guide for consumers um, when they're considering a, a pool a backyard pool or a hot tub. So I think you're going to see some more of that coming out from the organization. You talked about how the, you know, the industry came together. Another initiative we're going to launch is online communities. And that's going to be hosted on our website. Again, that's coming out at the end of the year where hot tub retailers or, or service professionals mm -hmm. or folks in the wave network can really share information. It's a little bit more robust than Facebook per se. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to be a member benefit. Super excited about that. We really want to look to invest, and this might be something down the road, into more data. Bill Kennedy does an amazing job for us with market report, mm -hmm. reports and what have you, but maybe quarterly pulse checks, especially now with, um, you know, people were hearing anything from 15 to 25% up. Yeah. So we really want to provide that information to the industry because it's interesting. I mean, I want to, I want to stand up and cheer for that one, Good. <laughs> you know, as a, uh, as a reporter coming into this industry, it was a little shocking, the lack of data that we, that we had um, and still have. And, you know, for whatever reason, people aren't always super excited about sharing their numbers in this industry. Um, <laughs> And so that would be so exciting to have some more information like that. It's amazing the number of calls I'll get from, you know, market research people or, I mean, I'm, you guys are getting these same calls too. You know, people in, in A&R who are like, hey, I need to find out some more about the pool and hot tub industry. Or, do you have any data points you can send me? And it's like, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we're going to launch with some, you might be something you're interested, um, uh, a women of water group that we want to launch. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. Um, in uh, the early part of 2021, um, we're working on a leadership development program as well that's come out of one of our councils. There, there's a lot, there's a lot in the hopper uh, for yeah. sure. Um, Great. And then obviously if this year we're, our fiscal year is on a annual year and we've done three different budgets, one completely optimistic, like, you know, Megan waves her magic wand and everything's back to normal January 1. Right. I've been holding yeah. on to that one, you know, just, just waiting for the right moment to wave, exactly. wave that wand and let us yeah. all go back to, back to normal. And then there's one if we're shut down for the whole year and then one if we open up mid-year. So yeah. depending on what happens with this pandemic, vaccines, all that good stuff, it'll dictate what we can and cannot do. We've got initiatives that we want to launch if we're together in person versus if we're virtual. So yeah. 
There's a lot of different scenarios out there. Uh, who would have thought? I mean, I just I think there are still moments where you just kind of sit back and you're just like, this is what we're doing now. This is, this is what, this is our life now. <laughs> If there's still this sort of like bizarre um, twilight feeling sense to it sometimes. <laughs> I went out to our Colorado Springs office probably about a month ago. And I remember getting off the plane. I was waiting for my colleague and I was just watching everyone walk off with masks on. I'm like, I cannot believe it. And I told my kids when it first hit, I'm like, you guys, we're going to be fine. This is. United States. We recovered from 9-11. This might be a couple weeks or a month. Just think of it as a bad snowstorm. And oh, I, yeah, we were, we were all so wrong in that. I feel like we all would have behaved differently if we'd realized this is how long it would have go gone on. And then in our industry, I think we would have behaved differently at the beginning if we had known the demand that was, that was coming. I mean, nobody would have laid people off or slowed things down. I mean, depending on what they had to do per their, you know, specific state and city mandates. But it's, I think people would have like kept their foot on the gas if they had known what was coming and just very few of us anticipated that this is where we would be. I know it's, um, you would have never guessed it. I saw a card in the, um, in the store the other day and it says, Alexa, please skip to 2021. And, um, my Alexa is about to turn on, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. but it's, um, yeah, you would have never, never guessed it, but I'm no. glad it's, um, I'm glad the industry's obviously doing well. Um, yeah. I think everyone's realistic about it. They know that this isn't going to be the norm. Right. And our leadership said we didn't budget as if we're going to be up another in double digits next year. So, right. I mean, with everybody being so busy and you guys dependent upon dues and those kinds of things, how does this, how does this play out for you? I mean, are people even thinking I need to become a PHGA member right now because I'm flush with cash or are they so busy that, cause it's a, it's a struggle that we have, whereas where our customers are so busy right now that they advertising is not necessarily the first thing on top of mind. And so it's kind of been interesting where the industry is doing really well. And then we're kind of like, Oh, Hey, don't forget about us over here. <laughs> Same exact thing for us. And what yeah. I found is it takes longer to get in touch with them because they're busy meeting the demands of, of their customers. And we've done a lot of phone calls where I'm like, sure. Hey, member a I've noticed, Oh my gosh, can you take a credit card over the phone? I've just right. been so busy. So yeah, yeah, it's not not necessarily, not necessarily a lack of desire. It's just bandwidth where everyone is just so maxed out and don't even my to do list that is over here. There are things that have been at the top of it for weeks that I just they just keep something else just keeps popping up above it and popping up above it. And there's just it just hasn't haven't been able to get to it yet. So I imagine it's it's a lot of that happening. We're probably going to end up with a balanced budget, which is pretty amazing. It's um, great because we were anticipating a, um, a deficit. Mm -hmm. um, and we rely so much on our education and most of our education, right. we've converted a lot over to, to virtual. So, but our revenues are going to be down pretty significantly. And our, our board members are like, but the industry is doing great. And we're like, yeah, but we are like, sometimes we might need, it's that peer to peer pressure. You might need to right. call some of these folks that haven't renewed and said, Hey, and we were very mindful in, we we halted renewals in March, April, and picked up in May because we didn't want to be insensitive. Right. Um, yeah. So and we've extended the usually it's ninety days. Um, we're working with members, but we're experiencing the same exact thing, Megan. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's one of those things where I, I'm not particularly worried about it. I know people, things will come back around and people will come back around once they kind of get their feet underneath them. But yeah, it's been, it's been a really, it's been a weird, <laughs> it's been a weird, unpredictable year for everybody. But again, I would like to say, I mean, I just feel like you guys have did such a great job, you know, staying on top of things in those early months when it was early weeks, let's, let's be real, when it was crazy and there was new information, it felt like every hour. I was really impressed. You got your team did a great job. You should be really proud of them. They're good. I am. You know, one thing we just launched um, is a strategic partner program and that's for like sponsorships. And, and it's so interesting because we've gotten our first strategic partner. What we did is we took all of our assets and packaged it into one program. Mm-hmm. And Fluidra is um, the first one to, um, to join us. But, and, and their whole thing is the industry is doing well. We want to support the association and, and yeah. give back but we want to invest in programs that's going to raise the professionalism. And I am, I'm hopeful that we all start to see that because, you know, they know that it's a great year and the industry has been good to them, whether it's the association or a a trade magazine or a reporter or what have you. So I think it's going to come around. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I'm not particularly worried about it because I, you know, I think again, from a lot of what we've seen throughout all of this and sort of that coming together and just historically, like that's what this industry does right now. People are are still a little frazzled, but those things come back around. Yeah. There's good people in this industry who care about the good of the whole umbrella, which the greater good. Yeah, you have a pretty good view of. <laughs> is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think is important for the industry to be hearing from the PHTA right now, specifically on the hot tub side? Anything that um, we haven't talked about at all? That's always my toughest question. <laughs> I have a very open door policy in terms of with my with my team here and with members. Um, I get a lot of calls from members I've met and haven't met, which is great because I'm still learning the industry. I feel as if I was on a great path and then everything kind of shut down in in March. So I will say if there's anything that the organization should be doing that isn't doing, or if you have ideas or if you want to get involved, we've got a great, um, you know, you participate in wave steering committee. We've got active committees and councils. Get involved, um, share your vision with us. Um, we're here to serve the industry. Yeah. So um, don't ever feel like you can't pick up the phone and, and call any of us directly. Yeah. And I think that when people do get involved and volunteer, you're like, oh man, I don't have time. It's just going to take so much out of me, but you really get more out of it. I feel like yeah, than you put into it. And Anything I've been involved with in the industry and the, on the association side with volunteers and members, um, they're just some of the, the best people and so helpful and giving and, um, and kind. And so I've always had such a great experience and have learned so much and gained so much from those relationships that it's definitely something that I would encourage people to do because I know right now it feels like you don't have time to add one more Zoom call to your list. Uh, <laughs> but those relationships are really the things that, that help and carry you through. I mean, you know, if, if the coronavirus had gone different for our industry, those are the kinds of relationships that you need to make it through both emotionally <laughs> and organizationally. Those are the people that you find yourself reaching out to. It's a, it's a great resource and great relationships and great friendships that you can really get out of working with, within an association that you normally wouldn't have access to. So 
yes, I'm excited to see what you guys have coming up for the, the IHTA. I know Cindy has been teasing me with some um, information about that, that I'm excited to share with everybody, all of our spa retailer readers and listeners, but thank you so much for being on with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for all you do for us as well. You guys are great partners. Spa Retailer Podcast is a production of Spa Retailer Magazine. Let us know what you think by leaving a review or emailing us at podcast at spa Thanks for listening.